Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, listen. We are ready. Ready for a little food, a little family, a little fun. Um, I I don't know about you, but um, so I'm giving you time to think. I'm going to ask you a question. The question is... uh, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? So I'm going to give you uh, just a couple seconds to think about that. But on the count of three, just kind of yell out, tell out something that you are thankful for. Now, I'm, I'm giving you time because I realize some of you are like introverts. And you're like, I wish you could have sent me an email before so I could have really thought deeply about this question. Because you're sitting next to someone and you don't want to say the wrong thing. Okay. I realize the conflict that may be going off in you right now, but I'm still giving you time to process. On the count of three, somebody tell me something you're thankful for. One, two, three. My life. Yeah, that, that, that was totally a moment for me uh, where I could do that in front of all of you. Uh, but no, seriously, it's funny when um, you begin to think of the things that you're thankful for. And I would hope that you have some time this week not to just... You know, do the errands, run uh, all of the shopping and, and seeing all the family that you would have some time to stop and go, Man, what am I thankful for? You know, I don't buy into the thought that there is a bad year. I don't buy into that thought. I, don't, I can't see that biblically that there are bad years. Um, even if this year has had a lot of conflict. And you've seen a lot of stuff. And you've had to carry a lot of weight. You know, I believe that everything that we do and what we navigate through is that God begins to use the hard moments in our life to position us and strengthen us. Come on. To to get ready for the next year. And so we're so glad that y'all are here today. And it's funny when you begin to think about thinking, being grateful you generally stop and go, who am I thankful for? I mean, sure, we may say stuff, you know, obviously job, house, whatever. But nine times out of ten, it, it's going to be a conversation. It's going to be a person. It's going to be something that that impacted you, and it's usually a relationship. Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you met someone? I'm talking about like someone that you're kind of enamored with, someone who inspires you. When is the last time you've had that thought? Man, I would love to spend some time with them. I would love, it's the whole wish idea. I don't know if you do that. We do that a lot with our family. If you could meet one person at this time, who would you meet? Sit down, have coffee, have a conversation with them. Who would you meet? You know, that, that kind of person. Um, you have that person in your mind, someone you'd want to have a one-on-one, get a download, maybe ask them what their secrets to success or how they made it or what they did or what they were thinking in this time that they were leading. The other day, my son comes into the room and he has one of those moments. He's like, um, hey, dad, I need to talk to you about something. And, you know, uh, my oldest son uh, starts off intense and stays there. He's just kind of like, Dad, I got to talk to you about something. And so I have no idea if it's like something at school, a friend or whatever. It all feels the same. And he goes, hey, I, I was I was watching this thing on Netflix 
And uh, there's this guy that we used to know. His name is Coffee Anderson. And uh, did, did you know he had a TV show? And I was like, yeah, I did. And, and he said, well, don't y'all know each other? And I, and I was like, we, we do. And so Coffee has this TV show, and it's called Country Ever After. It's kind of a family show on Netflix. And so my son wants the, all the, like immediately. And I'm sort of like walking and talk and kind of walking through the house. And he's like, Dad, no, stop. How do you know him? And I was like, well, he came to a couple events that we did. And we, he was like, do you, have your, do, you, do you have his phone number? I'm like, I do. He said, does it still work? Uh, I was like, I, I think it does. He said, when's the last time you talked to him? I was like, about six months ago. He was like, so if y'all walked by each other, would he recognize you? Or would he be like, ah, oh, I think I know that guy, but not sure. Or would he like say your name? Like, I need to know. Like, it was, I felt like I was getting interrogated. And so I would give like a small little answer and he would go deeper and I would get, he said, is he really funny? Like, is he funny? Like what you see on TV or is that how he is in real person? Like that I need to know. And I'm like, bro, breathe, take a second. He just wanted to have this, this download and he wanted to know all this information. And you know what? I believe that God wants that same type of excitement for us when we want to know him. I believe, like, like what? And so I can know this, and and so I can get this, and and so you're, you're what you're you're gonna download this, and what do you mean by that? And I think that God wants us to be excited. Come on, somebody, about what He is doing. See, here's the thing: is I I know that God has downloads that He wants to give you, and and the reason I know that is because God loves to give to us. There are keys to the kingdom. There are secrets waiting to be revealed and revelation waiting for us because we are sons and daughters. He wants to share everything. You know, listen, I have four kids and, and they have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions. It's sometimes it's very exciting. Um, but, but I'll tell you the truth is when they begin to talk about things that uh, matter, <laughs> I love talking to them about things that matter when they ask questions like hey dad what about this or what about this things that i feel like are going to really help them navigate life i'm never too busy for those conversations and i don't think god is either we are continuing on our sermon called generous living this series is because we want something for you not because we want something from you and, and so there is a reason that as a church, you have to talk about money. You have to talk about finances as much as it is uncomfortable. The church in at large has tension with three major topics. The first is we have tension with money. Second is we have tension with the Holy Spirit. And third, we, we really have uh, tension with holiness. And so all three of those things, there's this constant tension of what does everybody think about these things? And I want to talk to you a little bit because for your Christian life to thrive, two practices have to be in tandem. You have to learn to be a receiver and you have to learn how to be a giver. Some people are really bad receivers. 
And in fact, when they hear a concept or a download or something that God wants to share with them, they feel like, well, I'm not good enough for that or I I don't know if I can step into that or I don't know if I know enough about that. And really, God wants to give to us. In fact, he was the first giver and he said, you know what? I want to give to you. And we talked a little bit about that last week. I would I would refer you back to last week to get context. But but also there is this giving component. Like it's not just receiving, but it's also, come on, listen, giving as well. First Timothy tells us about this, chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. And I want you to unpack, I want to unpack this with you. For those who are in this present age are rich. Okay, he's talking, and, and, and just so that you know, because you may not know, because America tends to right now be like overly negative. But us as Americans, we're in the top 10% of wealth in the world. We would be considered rich. Okay? I know you may not feel like, you're like, I check my bank account, I ain't rich. But but I'm telling you that most of us have a cell phone. Come on, somebody. And, and contrary to public opinion, that is still a luxury. Uh, you know, most of us have Prime, Hulu. I mean, if you think about these things, like our most of us, the struggle is not bread. The struggle is that my 5G ran out and now my video is not streaming. And this is world ending. It's world ending. Here's what it says. As for those who are in this present age are rich, command them not to be haughty. Command them, listen, not to be haughty or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at this. They are to do good, to be rich in, listen, good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasures of a good foundation for a future so that they may, listen to this, this is key, take hold of the life that really is life. So what does that mean? To all of us. If we're not careful, we will buy into a life that is not life. Here's the idea. Is many of us over the last four years have heard the term fake news. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Now we all say it. We say it in our family when when your your young person or someone tries to talk to you and they don't give you all the information. And you're like, are you fake newsing me? Like, what's up? What's going on? There's a fake life. That's what the Bible is saying. There's actually a fake life and you can go down the road trying to make this life. But here's the deal. At the end, it will profit you nothing because it promises more than it delivers. This verse lays out for us a very strong and powerful truth that we actually as believers live to give. Not only that, but there is a connection between wealth and our attitude. We are in control of our attitude. Paul downloads this thought that our hope is only in God. Our hope isn't in money. In other words, here's the deal. He's saying that money is a tool. It's not a goal. It's a tool. It's not wrong to have money. We aren't mad at people who have money. But it is, listen, it is a Goal. It is a tool. 
My assignment this morning is we need to live to give. When we come to Christ, these two major practices of receiving and giving have to be in tandem. Let's look at this in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Let's look at this. As he was sitting out on, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, I want to put you in this verse. Jesus is over here. He's teaching. He's doing this rich young man. That's the story. He comes up. Come on. I just need to put you in there. This is a very dramatic moment. He makes the journey and the Bible says, good teacher. And he falls to his knees. <laughs> good teacher. Like it's, it, it, like it's a dramatic moment. It's not just a quick read. This guy is lost a little bit of dignity. He's taken the time. He's traveled. And he has got on his knees. And he's asked Jesus, what do I got to do? But Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. Probably not the, what he was expecting. He was probably thinking that Jesus would say, well, thank you so much for coming. It's very, I'm very glad that you're here today. And, and thank you for taking the posture that you did. Well, what a wonderful man. It's not what he said. Look at this. Look at this. He says, do you know the commandments? Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Can I tell you that some of that's still good? Come on, somebody. Listen, you're going to do real well in life. You, don't do, you do those, okay? He said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, the one thing, there's one thing you still lack. Can I tell you that Sometimes when you don't hear from somebody that you love something that you think you should, you can immediately be offended and be frustrated that they didn't respond to you the way they thought. But here's the deal. Sometimes we need to hear something in love and it may not be what we want to hear. See, I think that as a nation, our nation is struggling in church because now we have independent church we have democrat church we have republican church we have church that moves a little bit more toward the things of the spirit we have moved churches that move a little bit more toward theology we have this and what we do listen is because we are run by our own nature we go where we like it <laughs> but there's this idea in the Bible that you got to go where you can grow and sometimes you need to hear something that you may not want to discuss, but if it is discussed, it will open your perspective to see differently because God wasn't just wanting to to have a conglomerate or grab a community. He was trying to train disciples. And so Jesus, with love, said to him, here's one thing that you lack. <laughs> How intolerant. I mean, I have made this way. I have taken off time from my work. I have taken off time from business. And you are going to tell me that I lack something when I am coming here to get something. Offense. Come on. 
Go and sell all your possessions. Give them to the poor that you would have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But these words, he was saddened. And he went away grieving for he owned a bunch of property. I want to talk to you a little bit. We have been at church now for almost five years. We'll celebrate five years in February. And here is what I have learned as a pastor. Uh, people get hurt in church. They do. And there are three ways that I feel like people get hurt. And we've done all three of these. So I'm just telling you because there's no perfect church. The first one is when you put the plan over relationships. When the plan, you have to do this, you have to go here, you have to do that. When the plan is before the value of a person and relationships, people will get hurt. The second is when the relationship feels like it can trump the plan. See, I, I should be able to do whatever I want to do because I'm here and I'm present. I don't want to do the plan. I don't want to w- walk through submission. I don't want to. Does that make sense? That's the second way people get hurt. But the third is this. Some people are unwilling to take the next step that God has for them. And this man made the journey to seek out Jesus and left sad Not because he was rejected, but because he wasn't willing to take the next step. When you hear people talking about whatever, your family from their old church, whatever, whatever. I would go through those three steps. Because sometimes we want to hear what helps us win our argument, not what takes the next step. Come on, is this good? Come on, I I feel like you're quiet because you're thinking. I love it. I want to be a thinking church. Listen, the story is of a man who made a journey and asked Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? Listen, can I tell you this? That is the greatest thing that I can hear as a pastor when someone says, hey, Pastor Stephen, or one of our team members, hey, listen, I want to get saved. What do I need to do? And really what they're asking is, I'm ready to receive what God has for me. But in the recesses of my mind, I'm thinking, I love that. This is awesome. But that thought is also incomplete because it's not what you're willing to receive. It's also what you're willing to give. Give. See, because I understand that God is calling us to a life, come on, listen, of submission and surrender. And that if God is not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. And so that means that he's going to just lead us. And that means that to see real transformation happen in our lives, we have to not only receive, but we also have to listen, give. Let's look at Psalms chapter 23. David understood this. I want you to, I'm going to read this in its entirety just so that you get this. But look at this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd i shall not want in other words david has been at the highest place that you can be in society in public he's also been on the run and he didn't know if he was going to make it through the night but david has come to this idea that god is enough For me, 
I have all I want. Look at this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the shadow of death, in other words, the, the, it, even though I go through hard moments, I will not fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, when they're around me and they want to cancel me and they want to frustrate me, you make me eat where they would want me to starve. You're helping me. You anoint me and you call me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever what do you see from this david's description of god is not passive it's not some quiet little devotion david is saying that god is relational in other words he's invested in other words you know what like like i have a relationship with god come on somebody and it is deep he is invested. He is involved in my life. David knew God as the good shepherd. The reason David used the term shepherd is because David knew something about shepherding. He knew the responsibility. He knew the task. That's like a coach saying that I feel like God is coaching me through this moment. It's like a lawyer saying that I feel like God is my defender. Come on. It's like a physician saying that God is my great physician and he is healing and doing some things in my life. David knew the Lord as his shepherd. John 10, as we look at this, all of the Gospels have a theme. There are four Gospels because God wanted us to see Jesus in four perspectives. Okay? Matthew shows Jesus as king. When you read Matthew, you are reading the return and the coming of the long-awaited Messiah who is king. When you read Mark, you're reading that Jesus is the servant of all men. When you read Luke, you're reading that God is man. And most of the miracles happened in, recorded in the version of Luke because Luke was a physician and he described the humanity of Jesus. John describes Jesus as God. God. And when we read John, we begin to see that Jesus is God. Okay? Here's what it says, John 10, 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. Here is what I want you to see. Jesus is not only Savior, but he is shepherd. Come on. He, he is both. Jesus wants us to know today that yes, I came to save you, but I also want to shepherd you. And if you will give your life to me, 
then I will move you from fake life, come on somebody, to real life. I will lead you into opportunities. I will lead you into safety. I will lead you into purpose. Because of me, I can make your life thrive and you can begin to live to give. The rich young ruler was open to receive, but he wasn't open to give. Look at this. Jesus' response, he tries to break it down. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're like, okay, wait, you're not getting it. Let me break it down. Come on, if you know me, I'm like a a pen and a notepad person. And so if we start talking and I'm like, and you're like, I'm going to be like, okay, let's write this out. I'm going to get out a paper and a pen on you quick because I want to come at it another way. Jesus begins to say, okay, listen, I appreciate you coming. Um, Have you done all of these commands? Just so that you know, the Ten Commandments are broken down into four and six. Okay, tell me all that's ten. I don't know where you went to school. I'm just trying to help you. Okay? The, The last six have to deal with man. When Jesus listed... All of the commands, he listed six, and all of that was how you loved and treated your brother, the people in your life. He said, I have done that. (laughs) The top four all deal with your relationship with God. Okay? So when Jesus said, there is one thing you still lack, it was that Jesus was referring to this thought. I see that you have given to man, but I'm asking you to give everything to me. See, see, here's the thing. I believe that we don't see many breakthroughs in the church because every sermon is headed for the heart when Jesus many times took the first sermon to the wallet. See, let me show you what what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says this. Look at this. We're going to put it up here. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So I want to give you a graph. I I want to walk you through this. So there is a process of transformation for every believer. Our world, we've all grown up under compromise. We've all grown up watching, listening, being in uh, school, around people, around people of influence. And here is what you have learned that you may not have ever communicated. When you think about people like, you know, stars, fifty people who talk about how they build wealth, what they do. Our culture teaches you give yourself. You give if you put in the time, and you have enough focus, and you got enough heart, then you can make money. And as much money as you make will determine your value here on this earth. And so, before we even know, and listen, money's not bad. 
But this is how our world says you're somebody if not you were created with value, not that God has a calling on your life before the foundations of the earth, before the sperm hit the egg. In that moment of conception, you were valued and purposed and there was a calling on your life. The Bible says that you are nothing until you have something. And so we have a lot of insecure people in the church trying to be something when you're already something. And we don't even know that we're living this fake life. It's not that you can't have success. It's not that you can't have business. It's not that you can't grow into all that. But you need to know at the end of all that, it will not make you. See, God's plan is that you would meet Jesus the Savior. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would be shepherded. And your life would become missional, causing you to live to give. This is how you fuel your purpose. By receiving and giving all that he has given to you. We call that stewardship. Come on. The enemy's plan is that you would always be self-led. He doesn't mind you going to church if the concepts visit your mind. But never invade your heart. Come on. The enemy's plan is that self-interest and emotions are the great navigators of life. And when that happens, come on, all the enemy has to do is set out a trap and we fall in it ourselves. Because we're running, come on, this show. The enemy's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And so many people have bought into the fake life scenario where we are in northwest Arkansas where people make an excellent living and it's great. I'm not, I love that. I love that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching against that. I'm not preaching a poverty gospel. All I'm saying is it's amazing how many people are some of the most wealthy in the state and their homes are toxic. Their marriage is dormant. Their kids are looking for the next cool thing because there's not something living inside them. And what we know by the countless years of study with suicide, business, fraud, compromise, and whatever, that money is not enough. Come on, does this make sense? And so why, once a year, why do we talk about this? This is our checkup. This is our checkup. This is our heart check. Because you would think in this moment, observing the rich young ruler falling to his knees, giving this great, come on, come on, uh, encouragement to Jesus, you would think, wow, that's a really good guy. He's a believer. He's, wow, he's on his knees. But see, here's the deal, is that when we get saved, our money leads to our heart. Our heart determines our focus. Our focus means that we begin to create time. And we begin, once we have the time, we actually have the space, listen, to become a giver. I'm going to walk you through this. For us. Here's what the Bible says. Your money sends a message to what you value. 
Why, why are we talking about money? Because here's the deal. It's so easy for us. To, okay, let me back up. It's so easy for us to say one thing that sounds good or do one thing that looks good. But really underneath, we ourselves don't even know our own motive. Come on. Have you ever said something you really wanted to do and you didn't do it? I really believe that I would look great being 115. 115 pounds. I see these cool little pastors with the little zip up and look so cool. And I just, I think I could, I think I could rock that. I'm just telling you, I really believe that I could pull that off. Just I like cake. (laughs) I like the things that are not good for you. I love it when people say, well, I haven't had a Coke in five years. And I'm like, (laughs) it's good. What do you drink? Water. Wow, it's awesome. It's good. It's a blast. See, for all of us, we can mean something wholeheartedly. But when push comes to shove, when the moment to invest, all of us can be better talkers than investors. Come on, does this make sense? Here's what the Bible says in chapter uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either they will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. But here's the thing. As we go back and look at the graph, money is over here. Giving is over here. God's taking you here. Self's taking you here. That's why they're drastically different. Money can't buy you purpose. Money can't buy you respect. Money can't buy you a clear conscience. Money can't buy you a happy home. Money can't buy you patience, because if so, I would have been investing, girl. I would have been investing. Living generous can unlock your heart and show you what you trust in. What you trust in. Why is God wanting us to obey and have the discipline and the command of tithing and, and, and giving. Why would he do that? Because here's the deal. Your heart will never grow in something that you're not investing in. I meet with people all the time that are talking to me about the investments that they have and what they've made. And it's so much fun to talk about as they talk about how they're looking at it and they've been at Walmart this so much time or, or, or J.B. Hunt or whatever and they have these shares. And here's the deal. Where your money is, your heart, you'll see it. I can tell what you love by looking at your bank statements. If you were to pull back and go, what do I love? What is my biggest expenditure? So come on. Some of you love seven brew. I ain't mad at you. Come on. Some of you love eating out. I ain't mad at you. Some of you like to shop. I ain't mad at you. That, none of that's bad. None of that's, this is not 
I'm just saying that if you say, I love the kingdom, I want to see God do something great in Northwest Arkansas. I want to see God do something. I want to see God touch people. I can't wait for a revival. Can I tell you that if we're not careful, we will be people who post better than we actually live. And we will be frustrated at the, the moral placement of our society when we look over our own bank statements and go, I don't know if I've been part of the answer. Does this make sense? So for us, let's talk about this. When you invest your money, listen, your heart's going to go there. Your heart will, will follow money. The, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path, go back to the, the, the image, He will make your path straight. Straight. There is a straight path and we pour out our life because we believe that we are living on assignment. Now, let's talk about this. A pure heart, the Bible talks about, can see God. A heart fully committed will always produce focus. Listen, I meet a lot of people that are young. They want to get married. And so I'll talk to them. I'll say, hey, who are you dating? What are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm waiting. I don't have any money. Oh, What? I don't have any money to go on a date. And so, can I just tell you, listen, get a job. <laughs> listen, listen. And so, but I hear that all the time. I'm like, I'm telling my son, he's 15. I'm like, yo, what up? What up? He's like, I need to work more. I was like, love is waiting on money. Listen, for us, listen, you invest your money. All of a sudden, your heart begins to grow. Your heart begins to value. Then what happens is you get focused. Come on, I remember when uh, I met Katie and my, yeah, I had a little bit of money. And then I was like, hey girl. And then all of a sudden I got to focus. Does it make sense? And then I, I, I really focused. And I was like, who are you talking to? Who's that? What's, that? What's his name? You know, like I, I'm aware Here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 and 13. And because of lawlessness will in, be increased. Look at this, look at this. And the love of many will grow cold. And now I feel like this is written in 2020. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Can I tell you something? That when you begin to invest your money and your heart begins to follow that, your focus, come on, listen, will begin to be clear. I begin, and we have a lot of people working jobs and have no focus for their purpose and they're frustrated and they think if I can just find another job, I'll find purpose. If I can just, but here's the deal. We don't need everybody in the full-time ministry. We believe that if you are called by God and you are saved, you are in the ministry and you can do that as a business owner. You can do that as an electrician. Come on, you can do that as a dentist. You can do that as a dental hygienist. You can do that as someone who cleans houses. Here's the thing is the reason that people are always shifting what they're doing is because they're looking for something that only God can give you when focus is made clear then time becomes available 
You will never make time for anything that is not a focus. Let's talk a little bit. Can, can we do real talk? Or is this good? Y'all, some of you like, check, can we go? All right, listen. When people begin to say, I want to be a better parent, my question is, do you want to have a better focus? Because better parenting means better focus, which means better time, which means you're going to give more. If you want a better marriage, come on, help me. What are you looking for? You, you, I can't have a goal to have a great marriage. Why can that not be my goal? Because that goal means I control my wife. My goal can be I want to be the best husband I can be. So I am going to invest my heart, my focus, and my time. And I'm going to give to her the husband that she's always want. <laughs> For all of us, it follows the same thing. There's no way around it. And anybody who tries to do it different is actually living the fake life because this is how it works. God set it up. No longer will we be distracted and allow other things to steal our attention. Focus makes time. See, here's the deal. I believe that God has many churches for us. I, December the 6th, we are going to do a heart for the house. We do one big offering a year. And I believe, listen, listen, we don't get to determine the vision, but we can determine the speed of the vision. And I believe that as we begin to say, I really want to see God do something, then here's the deal. That'll be an investment. And we're asking for you to pray. Well, what are you asking me to do? I'm asking you to ask God. You ask God. But on December the 6th, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, we're out of town. Great. We have a mailbox. All right, listen. Come on, somebody. Time. Let's talk about time. Psalms 90, verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days. Can I ask you something? Uh, if you knew when you were going to die, and you knew when your, die, your day was going to be over, come on, even those of you online, if you knew when your day was going to be over, would you live any differently? Would you live more courageously? Would you take that adventure? Would you go to that next step? Some of you, would you take it alone? No, 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 just, like, like if you knew you were going to die, what, what, how would you act? See, the Bible says that our time has been given to us. That you're, you're, there is a clock and it's ticking and the investment of time is a gift to you. Anybody ever ask you to move? Hey, will you help me move? I'm sorry, I don't have the time. When we know we all have the same 24 hours. We all have the same time, but we just don't have the focus. See, here's the deal. If we're ever going to move into the giving component, that means we've got to begin to have a little bit more time. Time. As we wrap this up, you guys come on up. Without time, you won't ever be positioned to give. We talked about this last week. I don't want to go back into it. But it's very easy to be so busy, you don't have the time. And so if you are willing to give, but you never give, you're not really willing to give. It's kind of like when my kids, when they say, I want to clean my room. 
You do. That's wonderful. When do you want to do that? When I have time. Oh. So basically, you don't have the focus. Come on, somebody, help me. See, this is why we as a church have to talk about giving because... You, do you remember when your mom, dad, or grandparents, somebody in authority began to talk to you about um, giving or sharing? Let, let's go back to your seven-year-old self. You have, you have a bag of M&M's. You got so excited, your parents took you to Walmart, General Dollar, or whatever. I don't even know if they sell M&M's at Aldi, do they? I don't know. Um, and so you got, your, you got your M&M's, and you're thinking about eating them. And you, and you go, you finally get home, and you open the bag, and you arrange them, because you do that. And here's the red ones, and here's the green ones, and here's the brown ones, and you separate them all. And right when you're about to eat them in order, because there's an order, someone comes up to you and says, can I have one? And I don't know what it is, but it like gets so intense, it's like, this is mine. And we begin to karate chop and we begin to stay away. And, and we, we think in our head, get your own. Why would you ask me? Because all we want to do is keep and enjoy and protect, come on, our M&Ms. See, we have to be taught to give. Because there was a time when that authority in your life began to shepherd you because they knew that actually when you don't give, you actually hurt your influence. See, I believe that God has a calling for each and every one of you and you have no idea where it can be, but you can be limited to where you're at. How many of you have been there? Because... You, you and I both know this has nothing to do with M&M's. The real thought is, if I give some away, I won't have enough for me. See, this is why we have to talk about money. Not because, you know, the preacher need a raise. The reason we've got to talk about it is because self will always say, only trust you. But God will always say, trust me. See, the real message behind the money is who do you trust? That's the real message. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler thought, if I give it all away, I will have nothing. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say you would have nothing. He said, will you give it all away? I'm not correlating that into you writing a big check and selling out and living in a tent. So I'm just asking you, have you received the Savior but you need a shepherd? Because He will lead you where you need to go. How strong is your relationship with the Savior and the shepherd? Do you live to give because it all starts with trust? Where has your trust, listen, been broken? Maybe you gave to a church before and they misappropriated it. Maybe you gave in a relationship and that relationship broke off. Maybe you invested something to your kids and your kids hurt you. All I'm telling you is we're not really dealing with money at this point. We are dealing with tr trust. Have you ever felt let down and all alone? 
is self-navigating the journey? Have you picked up some Christian thoughts? But, but you're not really being shepherded? Today, I pray that you would receive the download that God has for you. And listen, if we're, we're going to be the strong, strong church that I believe we're going to be, many people, many campuses, I believe that, come on, we're going to get through all of this and, and this thing's going to thrive. God's going to open it back. It's going to be... But you get to be a part of building the kingdom. You get to be a part of sowing in a place that you may never visit. You get to be a part of Belize. You get to be a part of Honduras. You get to be a part of these places that God is doing something. And I forever will love the fact that you come. And I want you to come. But if we're not careful, we will be a church of attenders who do the great worship moments. But when it really comes down to giving, we want someone else to do it. And here's the deal. Here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is you may be missing out on your own next step. about trust y'all stand up with me thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week